When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, I have been interviewing different authors and inspirational leaders who have contributed to our book, Life Sparks. All of these interviews have been archived, so if you miss one, you can go to www.blogtalk forward slash authenticmessengers.com. Please also go to our Facebook page, Authentic Messengers, and give us a thumbs up. Any kind of comments are always welcomed. And if you know of anyone who you think would like to be on our show, please give us their information and we can contact them. Today I'm so excited to be interviewing a friend and dear creative person, Deborah Koff-Chapin, who has been developing touch drawings since it came to her as an inspiration in 1974. She teaches a process at conferences and graduate programs internationally. Deborah is creator of Soul Cards 1 and 2 and five Soul Touch coloring journals. She is the author of Drawing Out Your Soul and the Touching and the Touch Drawing Facilitator Workbook. Deborah has been interpretive artist at several conferences, including the Paramount of the World's Religions. She holds a BFA from Cooper Union and is an ordained minister of incarnational spirituality. Deborah has served on the board of the International Expressive Art Therapy Association and is founding director of the Center for Touch Drawing. Hello, Deborah. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hi, Catherine. It's great to talk with you. Um, boy, that got me tired. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, wow, and she's a friend. <laughs> How do you ever get all that you get into what you do? You're so, I've been so amazed with watching you over the years as I've seen mm. you at different conferences doing your drawing. And as, as we're talking, one thing I, I would love to um have you explore and let our audience know how is it that you actually got into what you termed touch drawing? I'm happy to share that story. It's it's um as much as I've shared it over and over, it's always the first time. So um uh I you know, I, as a young person I wanted to be an artist. I went to art school in New York City. Um and I found actually in those years in art school, the early 70s, it was a somewhat alienating experience of um, getting further and further away from what my um, those core impulses I had started out with in my life. And I think these are the challenges many of us find when we start going into a field um, that we have a passion for. We can also, um, all kinds of other factors can come into it that take us away from that core. And for me, creating mm-hmm. images was a very soulful, direct, expressive images was something that I, I just had in me, especially in my teenage years. And um, in art school in New York, though, um, it was all about abstraction, um, conceptualism, just flat panels of color and uh, a string hanging on the wall and things like that. So there was a mystique around all of this, and, I, and, and it's almost like a, a different kind of creative field. But um, that, that core impulse to create images that express my soul got somewhat um, squelched in a way by the, the more conceptual uh, approach. And uh, by the, my last year something inside of me was searching to get back in touch with that real thing, even though it was not very cool. And so there were a series of um, behind-the-scenes little moments where I was reconnecting with that part of myself that culminated. It didn't come out of nowhere. They culminated in the moments where um, 
touch drawing came to me very, very playfully, but it didn't come by accident, as some people have described it. It it really was a response from the universe to a question that I was asking, to a search that I had. Um, So in my last day of my last year in school, I was helping a friend who was actually serving a role of being a consciousness catalyst for me. Um, Mm. And uh, so, you know, these people come into our lives, who knows, you know, how that's orchestrated from the universe. But um, I hadn't spent much time in the print shop. He asked me to help clean up. And when I saw this piece of glass with ink in it, um, instead of, and I was going to wipe it with a paper towel, um, I moved my hands playfully on the back of the paper towel and picked them up. It was laid over ink, so everywhere my fingertips moved, a mark was formed on the other side. So it was like a beautiful natural gesture on the paper. I picked it up and, and, and looked at the other side and saw these very organic, alive, and natural lines um, that were like a transmission of the movement of my hands mm. onto the paper. And um, that moment was um, also an, an energetic opening. So I think it's if you, you know, like my fingertips, just opening to that direct expression seemed to unplug something, and, and I, was, I was just filled with this energy. So it was way more than just discovering a technique. It was this energetic moment of, of getting unplugged. And then I started laughing hysterically with all that energy and picking up more paper towels from the floor and moving my hands on the paper towels over and over. And gradually they turned from just natural organic lines into little faces and characters. But this was all in, in you know, maybe I said gradually over maybe 20 minutes of drawing or something. I, I have no idea about the time, but just many, many paper towels began to, I began to realize I could create images, like project my inner being onto the paper in an image. And I did these silly little faces, but they felt so alive to me. Um, So as much as it was a very playful and pure childlike experience, um, I recognized that actually that in itself was very profound and that this process of such direct, pure expression was being given to me. It felt like it was coming from some other dimension. I didn't even have that word in my lingo at that time. It, the the language I think I could find in myself is that it seemed to come from outside of time. It was like this someplace where it was waiting and it came into me in this moment. And it was not just for myself. It was a human cultural evolutionary creative process and it had been dropped into me and I was supposed to share it. It was just sort of a knowing about that and that it was to match where we're going in the future um, as a creative process in human you know, consciousness evolution. This process could meet us where we are in the future and it had been dropped into me to share it with others. And I, I didn't really wow. have words for it, but it was a, a sort of a knowing in that in those um, few intense um, minutes of, of touch drawing. I didn't call it touch drawing. Well, it, I didn't have a name for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it reminds yeah. me you mentioned the word transmission, and I think about how mm-hmm. our palms of our hands are like hearts and the healing power of our hands and subsequent fingertips. So Mm -hmm. thinking about the transmission and how you opened up those beautiful channels, ten little channels Mm -hmm. or five, four, eight, depending on how many of your fingers you use, did you (laughs) use your imagination to image in the images that came out, or did you just allow whatever source it was to run through you? Yeah, I just always pretty much allow what wants to come through. I I really start with a sense of... um, what am I? What is? What are my body sensations in the moment? And it's it, it, my drawings have changed, but I would say that's pretty much consistently how I approach it. Which doesn't mean it isn't possible to work with imagination more um, in a more controlled manner. But there's a sense mm-hmm. of just opening to the unknown, starting with a subtle. Um, it's a felt sense for me. It's not so much seeing something. 
Uh, I start mm-hmm. with a felt sense in my body. That's what I did then. You know, like, ha ha, I feel like I'm laughing. And I, or I have this feeling of joy and my hands made this funny little happy face. You know, that's simple mm-hmm. and childlike in the first ones. But it's, that's pulse still when I sit down to draw. What am I feeling right in mm-hmm. this moment? And it's as my body attunes to more subtle levels, then the images can express more articulate, um, more, more articulately uh, from the subtle levels. But it's still right through body sensation. So you mentioned that your process had changed, and, and is, that, is that in a way that you have become more in tune with the subtle impulses and allowing yourself? Or how, how is it that your process has changed? Well, no, I'd say in a certain way it hasn't. It's always, what do I feel right now? That's the core part mm-hmm. that's the same. But it's become more refined, more articulate mm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been an evolution within a very simple, basic um, modality. But so I've, I'm... I, I'm um, I'm a sort of a persistent person <laughs> and, and, you know, just keep doing the same thing over and over. I'm not really looking for, let me find something new to do. I'm, I'm looking to go deeper. I'm looking to try and mm-hmm. build a deepening, you know, language and presence, how much fuller presence can come through, how much more um, uh, finally can I sense um, – you know, whatever is in the field of the moment. So I apply the process mm-hmm. in different ways, in like a broad range of ways. You, you refer to seeing me draw at conferences. One, one of the ways I have applied it um, sort of to give myself um, a kind of collaborative stimulation is that I love mm-hmm. to draw during conferences when um, inspirational speakers are presenting or musicians. And it's like listening to their content, feeling their presence, the body of work that they represent, I draw in that field. So that comes into me, I sense it, and then I translate it into images. Um, I've just, uh, my most, most, most recent project right now that I'm just completing is um, putting online a retrospective of uh, touch drawings that I've done at the Women of Wisdom Conference um, as far back as wow. 1995. So um, that's what I mean about this persistence. I've missed a handful of years in all those years, but um, I've just put online this whole body of work, and I'm about to put it out tomorrow for um, uh, International Women's Day. I've been aiming to get it done and then you know, post it online and on my website um, for International Women's Day. So there I went to this conference. It's an example that's explored aspects of women's spirituality over so many years. And um, there's always new images. It's like infinite. But they always come from Mm -hmm. that same place of what am I sensing in this moment, in this field right now? That's what's simple and the same. Uh, Well, two things, many things come up. I love this conversation because it's, just like you're um, just like you're sensing in and how that opens up so many possibilities talking mm-hmm. to you on sensing in and, and so many questions and inquiries are coming forward in the arena or energetics that we're in right now in lieu of what's happening within the United States and what's happening globally. One wondering how your artwork has shifted in regards to the whole arena of polarity. Uh, I I don't talk about politics per se, but the polarity and the pulling apart and the the angst, Mm. et cetera. And then also the Women's Day, the Remembrance Day. I wondered if you could address both of those questions. One, how you're picking up energetically with what's happening. Yeah. Well, actually, there's, um, in terms, let's see. I do feel that it's a time where we have to draw upon our own deeper resources just to manage to hold ourselves together. So, mm-hmm. and the power of um, creative processes is that 
if it, there's certain types of creative processes where the focus is on um, sourcing, you know, what do you feel in the moment? And touch drawing is one of those kinds of processes. What do you feel and expressing from your soul very directly? And I feel like all of those kinds of processes that can happen through movement, through singing, um, uh, strengthens us, strengthens our connection mm-hmm. to something that's timeless, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, is bigger than what's happening to help us renew and gain some strength to, um, you know, uh, protect us from getting sort of torn apart and frazzled and overwhelmed and depressed and all of those things. What what I did, um, what I have found actually in my personal life, the a leading edge creative process in my own life right now is actually doing music. And um, mm. I have been um, creating sound baths. And the day after the election, um, when there was quite a bit of falling apartness emotionally, and our local healing center said that, you know, they were going to be there if anyone wanted to come by just to be together, uh, healing circles. And um, I mm-hmm. offered to mm-hmm. come with my crystal bowls and play. And officially, that was maybe to offer for other people, but what it did for me to play and to sing and really have to draw more deeply upon my, my soul resources and the deeper connection to the the powers of the earth. I found all of that happening. I found myself able to tap, almost like forced into tapping more deeply. Um, so that was, I mm. guess, one blessing we can take from things when they get harder is that our if our response can be to go deeper in ourselves, then we are gaining something out of these challenging times. And so I've been continuing to offer a monthly um, what I call a sacred sound bath. Um, mm. And and each time, I'm doing one again tomorrow night, each time I feel like, oh, great. Oh, I got to tap more deeply. This is helping me. Yeah. You know, it helps. Having, yeah. having other people to serve can draw it out of mm-hmm. ourselves also. So creating mm-hmm. just for ourselves, there's so much focus on creativity to do it for ourselves. But actually, I find when I'm doing it on behalf of someone else, for other people in some way, and this goes for my drawing as well, um, it calls forth more than just doing it for myself. Mm-hmm. Another way mm-hmm. that I have been um, drawing is, you know, um, there's a young man who who, um, who died recently from a, a medical situation unexpectedly, and I um, had this impulse to draw, you know, for him when he was um, mm-hmm. in his process and uh, to be able to tap um, those deeper levels and then to be able to offer that as a gift to the family. Um, there's, again, another way of uh, creating in service, and that always seems to call forth the best in me because I'm mm-hmm. not just doing it for myself, and, um, and it draws uh, more out of me. I'm able to focus in a stronger way. So it's another reason I do like to draw at conferences. Again, I'm part of a larger collective. I'm serving something larger. So I, I'm uh, always trying to f- put myself in those kind of settings um, where I'm not just working for myself. Mm-hmm. Well, and to attest, one thing I do know about you is that you do keep getting up and you keep going forward. And I can personally attest to that, seeing you with all the different projects you've done. There is that relentless energy and perseverance (laughs) that is so much bigger than you. I mean, I applaud you for that. It's just because you're, you're such a beautiful signature energetically and also with your beautiful artwork to what we look forward to. I know at least in the different venues I've been in with you. So Thank you. You're like the ever-ready battery. <laughs> the yeah. bunny that keeps getting Someone else used that with that little bunny that just keeps going. But going to those, going. doing things like that keep me going. That's the thing. They give me uh-huh. energy. So, I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a, that long haul. Um, perseverance, that's my word. And, you know, it's such a long haul. And, and really for all the time I've been at it, not a lot of support, not not really – obvious ways to share what I do. I mean, there's, there's real ongoing challenges to figure out how to 
how to do what I do, but I'm clear that I can't stop and I'll keep doing it even if it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense, even if I don't know what to do with it, even if no one does end up seeing it. I just I do have to stay with it. I'm sort of at a clearer place of um of perceiving and committing around that uh lately. Yeah. And part of what I hear is this similar to you taking on this style of artwork. It was something so much bigger than you. And how many times does one find themselves doing something that on all outward appearances does not make sense necessarily, but yeah. there's that drive to continue. So yeah. yeah. Thank you Absolutely. for that. And it doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you. It doesn't go yeah. unnoticed. <laughs> And in regards to the women's remember the day of remembrance, mm-hmm. it's, I the it's, it's international a little bit women. Well, I don't know even not that aware of it. It's International Women's Day. It's an annual day, mm-hmm. I think, of empowerment for women all over the world. Um, I do know that this year there are women who are looking at uh, maybe not going into work. Um, but that's a very specific, I think, political statement this year in this country, kind of like the Women's March. But um, uh, this is just an ongoing annual um, day to take note of, of women's rights all over the world. And um, mm. it's, it, I, when I was putting this retrospective together for the 25th anniversary of the Women of Wisdom Conference, and then I realized – Oh, International Women's Day is coming up. Great. I'll have that be my deadline. That's sort of how I do things. It's kind of spontaneous. Perfect. Good timing. I'll just try and get it done just in time for that, which is a nice excuse to send it out to my mailing list and post it sort of as a celebration of the feminine to um, just be passed around and um, experienced on that day. Mm. How is your artwork? Tomorrow. And you'll get her done. Um, how has your artwork shifted over the last several years with the theme of the women's wisdom? I'm sure you've noticed shifts in, well, or if you can explain what your artwork shows you with the different images. Yeah. Interesting to to put this retrospective together. I, I first did a, I had a partial one on my website, but I had stopped doing it uh, after 2008, so I was quite a number of years behind. And um, I put together a slideshow for the Women of Wisdom Conference this year for the 25th anniversary, so I dug out the images from all these years, going back to 1995. And um, what's the change? It in a certain way, when I look back to the early drawings, it's not that different, and yet, and yet every image is different. It's such an interesting combination of the same and different. You know, there's a, mm. a language, a soul language, that has not particularly changed. I think it's grown in um, subtlety, um, and uh, the images may look more embodied and substantiated now, even when they're quick, spontaneous images. I think there's a, a fuller, um, a more fully embodied quality to them, and yet they're also expressing more subtle, subtle levels. So I guess it's just become more, um, you know, more articulate and refined and deeper, but it's the same mm. um, language of soul. You know, so if I look hmm. back, I mean, some people might have abrupt changes in their art style over years. Oh, that was this period, and that was that period. And I would say there really has never been an abrupt change, like, well, I'm going to stop this, I'm going to do this now. You know, I've, it's just not even a thought form to me. I just go into the moment, and I do what I do over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, it evolves and it deepens. But that's the opportunity for anyone who goes to see that retrospective. You can look for yourself. Wow, look at 1995 and look at 2017. And what do you think? You know, <laughs> it's it. People yeah. recognize when they see some little image of mine from somewhere. They seem to recognize it. And I'm not sure, like you said, a signature. There is some some signature. Um, you know, I think that we all have in our being that does show through my my touch drawings. It's um, consistent. You do have a unique, I do know your work when I see it. It does have, even if it's very subtle, it has the uniqueness of it. Curious, with with the times that so many of us are faced with now, 
how can creativity help for those who are <laughs> aware <laughs> to know that things are happening, or even those who are not? How can creativity help us during these times? Well, as I referred to how it kind of helped me survive that um, really difficult day after the election, um, mm-hmm. I, I do think that creativity is is can be a spiritual practice and a way to access um, deeper levels of our soul, of our wholeness of who we are. And any ways we're able to do that, I think that helps us to find our way, you know, to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are so many causes. There are so many causes. It's completely overwhelming. Every day there's another mm-hmm. melodrama. <laughs> I'm tracking that, you know. I'm, and it's it's the ability, it gives us a chance to go into the timeless, you know, sort of count, counterbalance mm-hmm. that and to get, um, I feel like, a stronger anchoring in our deeper timeless soul. And, um, mm-hmm. it can help, you know, creative expression when we have stress to release, you know, if we let ourselves get unplugged, you know, let that pour out through some kind of creative process. It can be through singing, it can be through dancing, it can be through drawing, but releasing the gunk, you know, so the life force and energy can flow through us, um, will empower and energize us in whatever we choose to do in terms of some kind of activism or social service, the other aspects. But I think they, the creative process helps um, take us to our source place and um, so mm-hmm. we can act from that place more clearly. Yeah, as you're talking, it just it brought on a whole new depth of awareness of how right now it feels like there's so much fragmentation that leads to mm-hmm. manipulation and just anxiety and fear. And mm-hmm. I kid and say, save your cortisol because it's going to shift within a minute, you know, <laughs> instead of feeling huh. like the cortisol, your stress hormones going off all the time. And with that mm-hmm. being said, how does one learn to know, take a breath, do your drawing, do your singing to move out of that paradigm or out of that field of feeling yes. like a pinball machine in some ways of just right. bouncing around at the end of the day being mm-hmm. exhausted. So it's yeah. just it, the way you explained it brought up clarity of the importance of tapping in again, the fingers and the feet and the toes and the belly and in the mouth, all of that too. I wondered if yeah. you could express more with what you're saying um, with what I just said as well. Yeah. Um, well, you're talking about the body. You know, have you, yeah. all these creative processes, we're using our body, fingers, mouth, mm-hmm. belly, feet. And um, that does the body awareness like a, a mindfulness practice. You know, creative practices bring us to awareness of our body sensations. And, um, I mean, that's where touch drawing as a visual practice inward focus not outward focused so it's not like sitting and trying to draw a vase it's what what sensations am i feeling right now in my body oh there's a constriction in my belly i'm going to what does that constriction in my belly feel like i'm going to move the shapes of that you know out almost like a dance through my hands mm-hmm. my hands are dancing on the paper in the shapes of that feeling in my belly. And then that might be the source for mm-hmm. an image that I don't expect it to be. Once I look at it, I'll say, gee, that looks like a tree, and I'll turn it into a tree, or it might just remain an energy movement drawing. Um, but the starting point is, what am I feeling in my body right now? So if there's stress, mm-hmm. you draw the stress, and in drawing it, you're opening this channel that it can pour out of, and, you know, you don't stay stuck in it. It starts moving and shifting. And each, each in the process of touch drawing, and I think it's, it's true of many of the more spontaneous, improvisational, creative processes, you know, you do the – but in touch, touch drawing is so powerful as a visual art form, it's more like a, move, uh, a movement process. So I will move mm-hmm. a feeling out of my belly through my fingers, and that drawing might take a minute and I'll lay it aside, and then I'll say, okay, now what do I feel now? And I'll go, ooh, it's kind of a jagged feeling in the side of my chest. All right, I'll move that jagged feeling in the side of my chest. And each 
drawing, I lay that aside. What do I feel now? And I, um, each drawing is, is like the stepping stone. Now, all I need to do, do know is the moment, but then I lay it aside and I do another and another. So every drawing is um, a record of a moment and takes me to the next place. So there's an actual inner energetic transformational process happening step by step um, and in response to the moment until I'm done or someone else is done. That's why it is such a universal and accessible visual art process um, because, you know, when I give workshops, I see how how there just seems to be this sense of relief and people come into their fullness mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. you know, this glowing sense of their presence. That's what keeps me going and teaching it. If I didn't feel that happening in the people, it's not just about what the pictures are that people create. It's that people get back to and more resonant with you know, their deeper self and soul space through doing the process. And that's really the outcome of the process is a transformation in the person. Um, and then if you happen so to you have some feel. drawings that you like, that's wonderful. You celebrate that. But it, primarily, if you can use the process to transform your own being, that's the primary art form. And so as you're you're letting go and you're releasing, so... It, when you get done with with a series of paintings you do, do you feel tired or do you feel ah, at a state of peace and balance or does it vary on what it is that you actually moved out? Yeah, I mean, I would think it would vary. I can't speak for other people. It varies from person to person, from time to time. But um, generally speaking, I wouldn't say that it's tired. It's more like... Um, when I do a really intensive series, and again, for me, it's more in service, like when I do a an inner portrait, which is I'll do a sitting with someone and do a series for them, not for me. So this is an intuitive process. And um, in a sense, that's my um, the hardest work, <laughs> even though it's like the easiest drawings. So it's like a workout. How do you feel after a workout? You, you don't feel tired. You feel um, kind of like a release and relief and like you just had a good workout. That's how I feel, actually, after I've done a, an intense uh, touch drawing series. Like you just went for a good run or something, it, you know? <laughs> I think of you at the different conferences and the different um, presenters who talk about different topics. So, if you listen to, for instance, a speaker and you have several pieces of paper next to you and then the next person comes on and you have several pieces of paper next to you, I'm simplifying it. Do you follow the theme of each presenter and then pull together one collective painting? Because I know there must be a way that they all interjoin, that they look yeah, like they're um, part, of, part of one. I, I do a series for each presenter. So it depends mm-hmm. on how long they're talking. You know, if it's when I'm drawing in that kind of setting, um, if it's a 20-minute talk, there might be two or th- maybe three drawings. If it's an hour-long talk, there could be eight drawings. Um, uh, so it's a series for the presenter if they talk long enough. And then I, I try to keep track of who's who. And I do have, if anyone's interested, um, a gallery of interpretive touch drawing um, on my website in my touch drawing galleries where once you open that one little gallery, you'll see hundreds and hundreds of drawings. And in, in many of them, I do actually label the the person who I was drawing during. Um, and there's, you know, a whole lot of work at putting those online. <laughs> so, um, but so it's like a, um, each presenter that has their content, there is a series that tracks their talk. And, you know, ideally, if I had someone sitting next to me and taking notes, which there's been one setting in which I've had that happen where someone put together these notebooks with my drawing and notes on what the person was saying. And that was so wonderful because you can look back at it later wow. and go, like, oh, wow, I get it. There's there's an expression wow. of exactly what was being said, but in a poetic way, not like a, um, 
not like a note-taking way, but a poetic expression um, uh, from the content that the person was uh, was covering. Wow, what a great idea to, to yeah, have a narrative or almost like a poem on the side. It is, and it's just a matter of the the work involved with getting someone else to help with something like that. Um, it, it's sort of the mm-hmm. ideal way for me, um, mm-hmm. and and you know, uh, but you know, otherwise, I think they hold their own just as images in a more universal sense as well. So I feel like the mm-hmm. body of work that's come out of um, my sitting in in these conferences has been just tapping the field of this. Um, collective evolving culture and images that can also just stand on their own expressing in a more universal way um, Mm. many aspects of this emergent culture Uh, so so they can stand on their own as well because I I am motivated to just use these settings just to find inspiration as well so there's the both levels Mm -hmm. of it as it lines up exactly with what the person is saying and also that wow here's an image that's powerful that came out of out of drawing in this setting mm-hmm. so and I it think does sometimes just kind of give me words can kind of kind of offset it i mean when one can looks limit at a piece it, of right. art yes, yeah 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 exactly art exactly. in and of so itself they, is so expansive Right, so they do stand on their own in that way. Um, and, you know, I also mm-hmm. go out in nature and I draw. I love to draw on the beach. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, ways. The interpretive, I call it interpretive touch drawing when I draw when people are speaking or performing, but um, that's just like one, um, one, one branch of the way I use the process. And I mentioned the inner portraits, which for me is um, really one of the deeper ways uh, deeper than do, than drawing for speakers is to just sit in someone's presence, and I actually do this over Skype now. Um, sit in someone's presence, kind of take them in through a dyad gazing meditation, and then go to my drawing board. And usually, I'll draw for about an hour and a half without really looking at them again. And it's wow. it's like opening to there. There's you know we open a, a shared field. A shared mm-hmm. soul field, and they, you know, they have given permission for us to be in this together by their wanting to do it. And in that shared soul field, you know, I've dedicated the drawings I'll do will be significant, you know, for this person. And um, once I've started, I just don't look up, and I just every time there's another. I put a new piece of paper on the drawing board. I go like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> it's like this funny voice in me that goes, I have no idea. And then I'll feel just a little impulse. And often it is, again, body. It's like, oh, my arm goes in this direction. So it's like I am feeling them inside of me, you know. Wow. Um, and the soul level of that person inside of me, and I draw from me, but it's in a situation where we are – more merged, and mm-hmm. I'll just, yeah, I'll draw usually about an hour and a half for a full session, and, you know, it might be 12 to 16 drawings, and uh, then they can and uh, live with them and create with them and write from them and, um, you know, use them for their own creative and soul-reflective process. Oh, how beautiful. Do you get to yeah. know the person? I know this may be a, a redundant but I imagine no, it's, really it's, get to know. it's in a different manner. It's not like information, and mm-hmm. I almost don't want information about them. But if I, I look mm-hmm. at an inner portrait now, you know, that I have photographed, because I, they take the originals, but in, when I'm in a setting where I can photograph them, I keep track, you know, ha- keeping the photographs. And I will look at one, and I'll go like, oh, yeah, I'll feel it's like an imprint of their being, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I will just feel that person's energetic imprint when I look at those drawings. So, um, and sort of just recognize that. And I recently, you know, did put up a gallery presentation on inner portraits on my website because it was, uh, all I had was a teeny little, like, single page. It didn't really give people a sense of it, but... um, you know that that's also on my website now, where you can go and look more carefully at um, examples of that work. And your website is touchdrawing.com. Yes, it's a very 
full website. <laughs> There's journeys you can take down whole other branches and then whole other branches, and I just keep working on it and trying to have it be clear, but it, it's a deeply developed website. Yeah, lots to explore, mm-hmm. lots of images. Well, what a beautiful and, um, way... What a beautiful way it would be to to really see the essence of someone. I think about how there's how there's so much polarity right now, and you know mm. the color of one's skin or the the trauma yeah. that has been unresolved. And what a profound difference it would make, my sense, if we looked so much deeper into who the essence of someone was rather than the superficial. Yes. Color of skin, color of eyes. Um. There is a video floating around online that I really relate to in, in relation to this, and it's some video where they set up for strangers to gaze into each other's faces for maybe five minutes, and mm. they, you know, they show little, little, you know, little vignettes of that. And when we go to that place, which is so scary for people. Just gazing mm-hmm. at another being, just, you know, with no expectation, being together, seeing each other's face, we we just, the barriers, those barriers really break down, and you're with another being, you know, just a soul, yeah. a being. And um, I yeah. love that video um, that's floating around, if anyone gets to see that, because that's, I know that I experience that when I do an inner portrait with somebody, and um, mm-hmm. just, you might just it's a lot of, you know, it's, people can feel a little afraid to look without talking and mm-hmm. um, look without trying to smile or have expression. But if we can just give ourselves, you know, five minutes of just being with another person mm-hmm. visually, um, mm-hmm. a whole other level of our being um, become can become accessible to each other. If we are there with one simple practice... <laughs> I think that would be such a helpful – I mean, imagine, let's just imagine for a moment if the Democrats and Republicans could just sit, you know, a Democrat and a Republican in, in, you know, the House of Representatives or the Senators, you know, if they could ever do any of these practices together where they're just just looking at one another and just being, you know. Mm. Um, Wow. What a difference that could make. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. On so many yeah. levels. What is the name of the video? Do you remember offhand? Or oh no, I, do you I don't know the name. Okay. It was Something floating about... around. I'm not sure who did it, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. it's it's where they just set up for people to for strangers. You know, the heading is something to do with strangers looking at each other or strangers meeting each other or something like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Go from there. So that I mentioned in the in the beginnings of our interview that you have done soul cards. Can you talk yes. a little bit about what your soul cards are and how you came up with them? Um, sure. Uh, let's see. Um, I had been creating my touch drawings, you know, from 1974. <clears throat> they gradually became more embodied, more colorful, more um, imagistic. And Mm -hmm. uh, the body of work was developing sort of into the 90s, and I wasn't sure what to do with it. And um, uh, one friend suggested to me, why don't you do a deck? And, you know, over a couple of years, I think, every now and then, she didn't even live near us anymore, but sometimes she'd say, when are you going to do your deck? And I'd go like, huh? What do you mean? I don't want to jump on the card deck bandwagon. And um, But one day I just thought, well, okay, let me just try and see what, what it would look like. And I took photographs. This was 1995 or 94, so we're talking about photographs and film and prints. And I, I've had a pile of prints of, of drawings. Color, They were colored. You know, they had more development in them. And um, I think I took about 100 20 drawings or so, 150 drawings, and I just had a stack of them. And um, I had a magical thing where I showed them to somebody who I just met and who had just thrown away, given away. He did readings with people. I didn't even know that using a tarot deck. He had just given it away that day, and I handed him my Mm. pile of photographs, 
<clears throat> this is Will McGreal, and um, mm-hmm. he was just blown away. And I said, I don't know, could this be a deck? It was that new. And he took them. He says, let me take them, let me use them. And so he started using them as an intuitive reader um, in sessions with people, and I just kept getting the feedback from him that I have to do the deck. Yes, do the deck. So that was my market research <laughs> <clears throat> and it all sort of the energy of it came in very clear and strong and um i published the full cards in 1995 and uh it's a tricky thing i'll tell you it's a very tricky thing to this day i'm not sure how i managed to have it work <laughs> to publish independently and really get things out into the bookstores but the full cards are still selling you know, they're still, yeah. I'm reprinting right now. I'm reprinting both decks, Soul Cards 1, Soul Cards 2, and I'm actually out of stock on Soul Cards 1 So um, until the printing comes in and, you know, maybe uh, next month. So they seem to just have a life of their own. So these are images that I've created that um, people can project on. It's that simple, really. Oh, and so that's what yeah. sets them apart from the other decks, which are conceptual systems with books that people refer to. And generally, people pick the card. In most decks, they pick the card so that they know what chapter of a book to refer to and go read something. That's pretty much you know, what happens with a lot of decks. Um, and there is no book of meanings for these you have to trust yourself which is what's scary for some people about this deck um and there's a range of feelings from uh you know lighthearted and inspired to uh kind of contracted and in pain i i tried to select images that had a full spectrum to really honor uh, the full spectrum of human feeling so um mm. you can simply choose a card you know, look at it, you know, you might ask a question before you do and um, and let the universe give you a response, And it's but it's your interpretation. So you learn to trust your own experience. You don't have to go to a book and have it tell you what it means. You can't. It doesn't exist. So you have to trust your own response. And I think it helps people learn to listen to their inner wisdom by saying, okay, well, mm-hmm. what do I see in this? How does it relate to my life and my question that I just asked? And the magic of it is um, the synchronicity of how the right card just happens to come when people pick. And that's totally out of my hands. I created the images, but it does feel like they're um, the universe likes them, <laughs> likes to use them. Because of the experiences people have of um, just an image that speaks so directly to their issue being the one that they choose out of 120 images in the two decks now. Um, and, some, you know, there's a lot of stories about someone, you know, the same image that they choose over and over again when they're asking a question comes up and things like that. So um, I'm I'm sort of humbled and in awe of the fact that they seem to be, have become an instrument of synchronicity. And, uh, well, and what perfect and what perfect timing now, especially when it's almost like we've lost the option in some ways to look outside of ourselves for the answers. I don't think it ever mm, was there, but it's yeah. not as accessible necessarily being mm, forced to look mm. inside and, and recognize we have that. And so what a gift it is that you offer these cards, which brings me also into knowing that you've created the five soul touch coloring journals. Are those yes. part of what the soul cards are? Or can you talk a little bit about what, what your coloring yeah. journals are? Yeah, I would love to. Um, they, I see them as standing right in the middle between the soul cards and touch drawing as a process. So, they are like the soul cards in that they're evocative images, and you can choose one mm-hmm. to work, choose one that, um, you know, and let it speak to you. But they are more active. The relationship to them is more active than the soul cards because you fill the image out with your own coloring, and um, uh, they're much more accessible than touch drawing because that takes getting the tools, learning how to do it. It's kind of a big deal. So they're they're a more accessible way to have a creative, dynamic interaction with the the um these archetypal images that 
have come through me and to be able to fill them out and bring them more fully alive. They're very different from the other coloring books. And so I think, again, just like soul cards pushed an edge compared to other card decks, the coloring books do the exact same thing um, because it's not like there's nice little shapes that you just get into this repetitive pattern of filling in. There are flowing forms, and you can add to it. There's room to add words. There's room to add patterns. It's not so obvious how to just sit down and color with flat color and just pick a color and fill in a shape. You you come into creative interaction with the images. And I get to see some of the ones that people are coloring on my Facebook uh, coloring journal group, and it blows me away. Actually, I go like, oh, you're all doing a better job coloring your drawings than my drawings than I am. I <laughs> truly am blown away when I see what people do with them. Um it's it's amazing, and so it's a way. In a way, I mm. let go of my attachment to my images because they don't exist as only my art. When people use them in this mm. way, um, and one of the things I'm 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 exploring now is how to get them into service settings um, where they can really be be used. There's someone interested who does a soul. Um, what do they call a soul collage card. Um, She's one of the trainers, and she's interested in how people can use them when they're creating soul collage as part of their soul collage. Mm -hmm. Um, I might have a connection with a hospice person. How can these coloring books maybe be brought into a setting where people are doing grief work or a family that, you know, when you're sitting around in a hospice setting, you've got a lot of time. Um, can they be brought into settings where the family's given the books and there's something they can do that's a little more soulfully engaging than um, mm. than just sitting around and waiting? So um, there's mm-hmm. a, a vast potential that I'm just <laughs> barely begun to tap about how they can be used. Yeah. Wow. I would like to to just move back a little bit because I – I've talked to other artists who have such a connection to the artwork. It's almost like a possession. <laughs> and mm-hmm. sometimes for those of us that have published books, it's like my book and it's going to be a gift to the world. I wondered what it was like for you to actually release the coloring journals without the colors that you had put into it. Because talk about the ultimate letting go and surrendering and that comment mm-hmm. you made when you looked at others who you thought, wow, they did a better job. Those weren't your words, but <laughs> what was it yeah. like for you to release it out into the world like that? Well, you know, the idea came to me in such a strong way to do it that I couldn't not do it. So uh, the mm-hmm. begin, the first, the steps of creating it for me were an incredible harvest of going into these. I have, I have thousands of images. I want them to be out there in the world serving. So I got to go through my images and, and harvest. Um, I found these different themes. That's why there are five books. One is um, opening. T- I found in, in my work, just looking at my work on photographs where I had, you know, I had archived them photographically, and I would just organize them. Well, these are sort of similar, and I realized that these were images about various forms of love. So that became the book Opening to Love. Then there were images that were about seemed to be all about the creative process that became creative awakening and images of relating with nature and that became um, fullness of life or and images that were more internal that was listening within and um, and all these feminine images uh, became gifts of the feminine just to harvest and put them into those categories take them out of their context and put them in each of those um, those those bodies of subject theme was incredibly uh, satisfying for me. I didn't really know how I would feel about having people color mm-hmm. them. I was a little afraid, actually, but it felt like you have to do it. Yeah. It's just happening. Mm-hmm. And um, But when I started, then in the latter phase, I was just trying to get some people to do example coloring so I could put them on one page. You can see the same image colored by different people. And when I started getting those back, I breathed a sigh of relief because it felt good to me to see them I got excited when I saw them so it was sort of an unknown but that's what I find it's like wow the images just come alive it's and Mm -hmm. and actually for a while I couldn't color my own drawings 
I was afraid to start coloring my own drawings again after the books were out. Wow. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can color my drawings. I'm going to, I don't know if I can do it. And so I just started, I was thinking too much about other people's colorings. But now I've sort of let go of that. And I'm just back to whoever I am when I, you know, work on a drawing. But um, yeah, there was a time where I was, yeah, afraid of coloring my own drawings. Not a big, deep thing, but maybe there was a few months of self-consciousness about wow. coloring my own drawings because I was seeing all these wonderful, interesting versions that I never would have thought of, uh, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, if anyone mm. wants to go to the Soul Touch Coloring Journal Facebook group and you just kind of scroll through there, and um, it's it's pretty amazing. So I have things to learn uh, <laughs> from seeing what other people do. isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Isn't it beautiful, yeah. really, to know the the uniqueness yet the similarities of all of us? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the the comment you made really is how do we accentuate the best that we are within ourselves? And watching the comparison, I I know, speaking from self, it's an endless practice not to look yeah, outside myself and compare myself to others. And right. what a gift you gave by, by surrendering to that. And then the candidness of saying, wow, where am I in all this? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. No, it's been a very interesting process. It just doesn't um, fit any categories that I know. And, and that's, mm-hmm. but that's exciting too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the next couple of minutes, one, it's been wonderful to connect with you. I think we've talked yeah, it's more great to talk. today yeah. than we have yeah. in a while. What are I know. some of your leading edge projects right now that you have going on? If you could just take a minute or so to speak of um, that. Well, one is to um, find a way to support other people who are – I encourage people to facilitate the process of touch drawing – I cannot be the only person who shares it. And so I keep putting it off, and I, I feel like I can't put it off much longer. Um, how can I develop some online uh, um, forums and maybe live video? Um, I, I've explored things in the past, but to really make something that works and is functional to support other touch drawing facilitators, to support people in different fields to connect with each other, because touch drawing can be used in so many different ways. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's one of my edges is to um, get beyond procrastination and you know, get that happening. Uh, um, and exploring some new social media ways of getting my images out, like uh, maybe creating little animation videos with series of drawings. Um, and my music. Uh you know, this doing these um, uh, sound baths. Uh, when I'm doing, I'm doing a workshop in uh, New York um, later in April, and it's besides doing them locally, I always do music while I teach, always. But when I do the sound bath, I come out more fully in my voice. I, it's a bigger, mm. more powerful thing, and I have now added to my day of day long workshop and evening sound bath. So I'm sort of putting that out more publicly that I do this. <laughs> so um, wow, that's Good. pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love so doing people- it. And if people are interested in seeing perhaps how they can get involved, the best way to contact you is touchdrawing.com. Is yes, that the, the website best way for them? has okay. Absolutely, the website. You know, if you go to the contact, there's an email address there. You can. I always look at the emails, answer questions, things like that. Um, there's a schedule of my mm-hmm. workshops: Los Angeles, New York, um, the Northwest coming up, and. Um, and lots of galleries of images and videos about touch drawings. You can actually see me do a touch drawing. If you're kind of curious, you didn't quite get it. Um, if you go to the little video, um, you know, link, you'll see several videos. So, like I said, the the website is extensive, and um, you can oh, really good. kind of journey and explore there. Yes, but I always well, answer thank questions. Thank you, Deborah. So. Thank Thank you, you, Catherine. Thank you for taking the time to be here. And thank you, dear listeners, for listening in. I feel inspired to leave you with, with a beautiful Cherokee prayer. Oh, great spirit, help me always to speak the truth quietly, to listen with an open mind when others speak. 
and to remember the peace that may be found in silence. And with that, going inward to find your own creativity, your own source, your own love. And love each other and be kind. Thank you, Deborah. Take care. Thank you, Catherine, so much. Bye-bye. Bye. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.